and welcome back to Wonder Women, a podcast that tells the stories of inspirational women in history you may never have heard of. I'm Dominique Roberts. And I'm Megan ArmConnect. So this episode is going to be jam-packed with crazy life-or-death stories and narrow escapes because we'll be talking about a real-life female James Bond, a World War II spy for the British government named Christine Granville. And there is so much drama to fit into this one episode, so actually this one will be a lot of me talking and a lot less back and forth discussion, but I will do my best to cover the unbelievable and truly crazy stories of this remarkable woman. Christine was a spy for Great Britain in World War II, but she was actually Polish. And you know, Polish history is often eclipsed a bit by some of the bigger players in Europe, but until Hitler invaded Russia, Poland had been integral to Britain's war efforts. Once Russia joined the Allies after Hitler's invasion, Poland's role was significantly reduced. Christine was an aristocrat because her mother was very wealthy, but her mother was Jewish, which, in the run-up to Hitler's ascension to power, caused social tension and eventually cost her mother her life. Christine loved Poland deeply and was fiercely and passionately patriotic her entire life. She was thought to be extremely beautiful, and she won several Polish beauty contests and was declared a national star of beauty. During her first marriage, Christine became a very skilled skier by smuggling cigarettes into Poland across the border, just because she was bored. She divorced her first husband because she was unwilling to live a domesticated life, and she spent the following years alienated socially as a penniless, half-Jewish divorcee. She then married a man 20 years older than her, and it's during her second marriage that we start to hear rumors of her working for British intelligence. She and her husband traveled around Europe attending glamorous parties with this infamous and provocative photo from the Miss Poland contest as her passport photo. Christine and her husband were in South Africa on a mission to establish a Polish consulate in Kenya when England and France declared war on Germany. By the time Christine and her husband made it back to London by boat, Poland had been cruelly defeated by Hitler, and neither of them knew what had happened to their relatives living in Poland, or if they'd even survived the bombings. It was too late to enlist in the war at home in Poland, so Christine and her husband enlist their services in the war effort from abroad in England. They both become agents of the British Special Operations Executive, and they're stationed in separate cities. Do we know why that was? Was it just protocol to separate husband and wife? You know, I actually don't know for sure, but... I don't think Christine was upset about being stationed in separate cities because, as we're about to find out, she had quite a few boyfriends, so I don't don't think it was a hardship for her. So Christine goes undercover in Hungary as a French journalist, which worked because she spoke fluent French. And while in Budapest, she has an affair with another British intelligence officer, and she helps him smuggle refugees out of internment camps. And together, they help hundreds of servicemen escape prisoner of war camps in Hungary and get back out to the front lines. And a lot of these prisoners that they helped escape included pilots who flew in the Battle of Britain. So this was actually a major contribution to the Allied efforts. He was not Christine's only love interest, however. She had many, and they seemed to have been willing to do anything for her. While she was in Budapest, another intelligence officer also became so infatuated with Christine that he shot himself, and apparently he was aiming for his genitals, but he missed and shot his foot. And then he threw himself off a bridge again because Christine rejected him, and he survived because the river was frozen, but he broke his remaining good leg. So British intelligence catches wind of all this crazy drama and had to replace him with another partner for Christine. December 1939, British Secret Service records report her as a, quote, blaming Polish patriot, an expert skier, and a great adventuress. 
So then, an Olympic Polish skier is approached to ski with Christine from Hungary through the Carpathian Mountains into Nazi-occupied Poland, and this was in order to smuggle propaganda in and information out. He refused because the journey involved perilously cold temperatures, incredibly difficult skiing, and a several-day hike up a mountain carrying heavy wooden skis, contraband, and supplies. He thought the trip would be dangerous even for him, and he did not think that Christine could survive it. But Christine convinces him that not only is she capable, she is going with or without him. So they leave within the week, and they do survive the trip into Poland. Once they're in Poland, Christine is on a train carrying a bag full of contraband propaganda when all of a sudden the train is stopped to be searched. She realizes she can't dispose of the incriminating evidence and that if it's found, she'll be shot. So Christine calls aside a Gestapo officer and starts flirting with him. Instead of saying she has contraband propaganda, she tells him that she's smuggling tea for her sick mother, which is a much lesser offense. She asks him to help her, and miraculously, the officer takes the bag and hands it back to her as she's leaving the train without ever looking inside it. You know, even though Christine was Polish, Christine wasn't trusted by the Polish resistance movement because she was employed by the British and she had a bit of reputation. Because as we see, she's always getting into trouble and always getting other people into trouble as well. On her second trip into Poland, she and her lover are captured at gunpoint and brought to a nearby makeshift search point. So as she's being searched, the German officers find her glass necklace, and in a desperate attempt to cause some sort of diversion, Christine shouts, my diamonds! And just for a split second, the German officer fumbles with the necklace, and the surrounding officers bend over to pick it up, you know, thinking that they've just hit this jackpot. And in this Split-second commotion, Christine and her partner run towards the woods and are chased and shot at by the officers, but they lose them in the dark of the forest, just barely. So this was another crazy, narrow escape, except for their forged paperwork and their fake passports had already been confiscated. So from this point on, Christine's picture is posted with a reward all across Poland, and she's officially a known enemy to the Nazis. In 1940 alone, Christine and her lover helped 5,000 refugees escape and crossed the Polish and Slovakian border 14 times. They smuggled radio codes hidden in dictionaries, the formula for two German gases, and reports on German ammunition and engineering. She seems to have been incredibly clever, but also incredibly lucky. Once Christine and her partner were woken up by the Hungarian police at their door, a Apparently, Christine offers to make them tea and then leaves the room to flush incriminating documents down the toilet before the police begin searching. When the police don't find any evidence of espionage in the flat, they're taken to be questioned by the Gestapo. Now, in the interrogation, Christine starts to cough on purpose and bites down on her tongue hard enough to bleed so that it appears as, as if she's you know, violently coughing up blood. Now, the Germans were very afraid of tuberculosis, and so they see this and they order her to have a medical evaluation, so the interrogation is temporarily put on hold. And just by sheer luck, there's no way she could have ever predicted or known this, just by luck, Christine had spent some time previously working in an auto garage where she had inhaled enough fumes to cause dark shadows in the x-ray of her lungs. The doctor confirms that Christine does in fact have tuberculosis, which, you know, she didn't, and she and her partner are released on humanitarian grounds. Other agents then smuggle her out of Hungary to safety in the trunk of a diplomat's car. Christine eventually makes her way to Cairo, where she learns she's suspected by several intelligence agencies of being a Nazi spy. 
So she's temporarily fired, but the British soon realized that Christine had given them intelligence warning Churchill of Hitler's plans to invade Russia. So they decide this is something that a Nazi double agent is very unlikely to do, and she's rehired. But Christine is absolutely fed up, and so she leaves Egypt to train as a paratrooper, and she becomes one of the only women to receive official paratrooper wings. She also learns Morse code, wireless signaling, and she studies explosives. Ironically, she couldn't swim and she was afraid of bicycling, so her spy skills were um, a bit niche. Not very well-rounded. <laughs> After all of this training, Christine is parachuted into France on July 7, 1944. And to put this in context a bit, D-Day was June 6, 1944. So the Allies landed in Normandy just about a month prior and have been in France for about a month. She worked as a courier for French resistance leaders and helped to organize the reception of ammunition and supplies drops for the French resistance. Some accounts describe Christine out in the open field in the middle of a German bombing raid, collecting ammunition containers that were dropped by the resistance and cutting away parachutes caught in the trees that would have drawn German attention. In another narrow escape story, Christine and her new French partner are in Vercors and they're there to send coded signals to London and to Algiers and they managed to escape just as the Battle of Vercors is breaking out. The Battle of Vercors was the famous last stand of the French resistance, but it was a brutal and bloody massacre. Christine then hikes to find the Italian resistance leader, Marcellini, and she finds his camp just as it's being attacked by Germans. The Germans eventually retreat, and Christine makes the first Allied contact with Marcellini. Yeah, this does sound like something out of a movie. <laughs> the, the whole thing, it's like a female, <laughs> female James Bond. <laughs> One of Christine's largest contributions to the war was negotiating with foreign troops who had been conscripted into the Nazi army under threat or coercion to surrender. Oh yes, because there were lots of people like in Poland or in other occupied areas that were forced to join the Nazi army. Yeah, so one example of this is the surrender of the garrison at Kodelarsz. So apparently, Christine hikes alone to a German base that's manned mostly by Polish recruits, and she waves a scarf, the colors of the Polish flag, and she speaks over the camp's loudspeaker, and in just one hour, she manages to convince the Polish recruits to sabotage their own Nazi military operations and to join the resistance. So she leaves them with specific instructions of when and how to desert, and she hikes away. So then the deserting Polish troops removed the pins from the German artillery as they left, which made the guns useless. So this was known as the surrender of the garrison at Col de Larche, and it prevented a German attack in the Alps, and it added valuable Polish men to the resistance troops. But I think my favorite story of them all is how she rescued her lover from being executed just in the nick of time. So when her partner and two other agents were arrested, she overcame her fear of cycling and cycled 25 miles to where he was being held. So then she circles the prison, whistling the song that they used to sing until she hears him whistle back. She then goes to the Gestapo office to meet with a known double agent, and she pretends to be her partner's wife and says that she has information that the Allied forces are about to land in France. So the double agent agrees to help her bribe the arresting officer for 2 million francs. Christine then cycles back to the prison two days later with the money, and she lies again, this time to the arresting officer, saying that the Allied forces are about to arrive in France, and that he's in extreme danger, as are all German collaborators, and that there is no escape possible except for her to release her lover and his colleagues in exchange for guaranteed safe passage out of France. So just two hours before their scheduled execution, the men are released. 
Now, this was a big risk because her picture was already in the German files, and if she had not succeeded, she would have been shot too. So the Allied forces actually do liberate France shortly after this, and after France is liberated, Christine wanted to be parachuted into Nazi-occupied Poland, but there was pressure from Stalin for the British to abandon the Polish. And after the conferences at Yalta and Potsdam, where the US and the UK agreed to give Poland to Russia, there was no free Poland left to fight for. After all Christine did for the British intelligence, she was dismissed shortly after the armistice and she was left in Cairo with a few months' salary, an expiring British passport, and no home to return to. The gender barriers that were broken when the British needed Christine during the war began to form again once the war was over. The skills that she was valued for during the war were no longer acceptable skills in a lady post-war. And although her male colleagues received post-war missions, Christine was viewed as unemployable because she lacked typing and office work skills. She couldn't get a job in England either because she was not a British citizen, and despite all she did for the British war efforts, she was not given preferential treatment or British citizenship, and in fact she was told to apply with a lawyer like everyone else. Her application was denied because apparently she could not apply without her husband, who was currently living in Canada at the time. So was she ever acknowledged for the work that she did? Well, yeah. So Christine actually initially refused being awarded as an officer of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, an OBE, and a George Medal because she viewed a civil award as an insult after all of her military contributions. After her applications to live in Kenya were also denied, she finally agrees to receive the awards in exchange for the right to reside in Kenya because remember, Kenya is a British colony at the time. She also received the 1939 to 1945 War Medal, the Crown Stars for Service in Africa, Italy, France, and Germany, the 1935 to 1945 Star, the Croix de Guerre with one star, the Vercors Combatants Medal, and the British Parachutist Wings. But you know what's really quite sad is that after surviving all of this, she died shortly after World War II, and her death was just as dramatic as her life was. After surviving all of her missions, Christine was murdered in London by an old lover who stabbed her in a jealous rage after she told him that she wanted nothing to do with him any longer. After a lifetime of dedicated and brave service, her death certificate lists her occupation simply as the former wife of a journalist from which she obtained a divorce. So that was the story of Christine Granville, and I'm sure she was just one of many, many women who contributed a lot to the war efforts and to history who we just never hear about. I hope you found her story exciting and inspirational. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Wonder Women is edited by Dominique Roberts with original music by Matthew Gregory. Matthew Gregory.